Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. How's it going, folks? Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. I am your host, John Hutspeth, and a lot of weeks I get on here and I'm like, we got a great show for y'all this week, but this week, I really mean it. And you want to know why we have a great show for y'all this week? Because we get to talk about actual hunting. That's right. I am fresh home from my trip to Nebraska, had a great hunt, learned a heck of a lot, and I got a lot of stories and a lot of things to talk about, things that I learned, experiences that I had all that good stuff. So that's what we're going to be talking about this week. But before we get there, I have a lot of other stuff I get to talk about. Um, First thing I want to mention, because I know all of y'all are always a little bit excited and anxious for me when I talk about this, I have this buck that I refer to as the 2% buck. Those of you who've been listening for a long time, y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, But as we're coming into hunting season, I know our listenership usually bumps up about this time of year. So I'm going to tell a quick little background. This is a a buck that I have known about since he was a three-year-old. I passed him during rifle season as a three-year-old. The next year as a four-year-old, he completely disappeared. He came back the next year as a five-year-old, and I have hunted him since he was a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old, and this year he is a a eight-and-a-half-year-old buck that uh, just drives me nuts every year because he is incredibly smart. He's very nocturnal, and uh, and he doesn't live on us. He lives on the neighbors, but we're close enough to his home range that I always get a bunch of pictures of him. I uh, Last year, for the first time since he was a three-year-old, I actually had an encounter with him. I had him at 44 yards in uh, December during archery season. was un- unable to get a shot, and so just the story has been on and on and on, and I've spent so much time, effort, money, chasing this deer uh and again i don't know if i mentioned or not but the reason i call him a two percent the two percent buck is because i give myself a two percent chance of killing him i bring this up because he has shown his face and he has shown it a lot um i think i'm trying to remember what day it was i think it was either Saturday. i want to say it was saturday Uh, i got a picture actually a daylight picture a very very rare daylight picture of this buck uh coming to one of my feeders uh, and I got a few pictures of him that night. The next night, I got a picture of him at that same feeder. Feeder. Well, I don't know why I said that weird. Um, the next night, he was at a different one of my feeders, about a mile away. The next night, he was back at the original feeder that I had him on. And then, I think it was last night. I don't know what night I'm on now. Um, but I got a picture of him somewhere in the middle between those two feeders. And then on that second feeder. So, so he's around. He's moving around. Very active. Um, he is beautiful. Last year, he had shrunk down to a nine point. This year, he has bounced back a little bit. He's He's got that 10th point back. 
Um, but he his frame has shrunk a little bit. Like he's not quite as wide as he used to be. I don't think he's quite as heavy as he's been, but he's still a really, really nice deer. Nice 10-point buck, good twos, good threes, really good fours. And so the 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 search continues, the hunt continues, the chess game continues, whatever you want to say. Uh, I am not ready to bump it up, bump him up to like the four percent or ten percent buck, anything like that. He's still very much the two percent buck because I've just played this game long enough that I know um, I know it's going to take a very special situation to kill him. But it is very encouraging because I was starting to doubt myself so much that he really existed this year because I got one picture on July 14th, but he was really far from the camera. He was facing the camera, so I didn't get a good picture of his frame or anything like that, but I've just stared at so many hundreds of pictures in the past. I I just knew it was him, so it's nice to actually have some 100% confirmation. He's already lost his velvet, um, and it's it's 100% him, so that's very exciting. Uh, kind of along those same lines, uh, or speaking of velvet, uh, right now I'm sitting at about half and half, about half uh, are hard horned, half are still in velvet. Um, oddly enough, my my bigger mature bucks are split right down the middle too. I feel like a lot of times you get a lot of the younger bucks uh, shedding first, and then the older bucks kind of hold. But uh, yeah, I got I'm trying to think. I got three three mature bucks that have uh, shed, and I got about two mature bucks that have yet to shed. So interesting little thing there. Um, but yeah, that's cool. Uh, as I just mentioned, kind of with the whole shifting thing and 2% coming in, uh, and velvet coming off, I feel like deer kind of starting to shift a little bit. Um, not necessarily all the way to their fall pattern, but they're just shifting some, like I'm getting less pictures of bucks. I'd gotten a bunch of pictures of over the summer. I've had some new bucks show up, which is always fun. Um, 2% being one, uh, this other buck, I, I, I kind of recognize him, but I can't quite put my finger which buck he is he looks old as the hills like i mean he looks old old but his rack is kind of throwing me because i feel like a lot of times when bucks get old they maybe lose some tine length but get heavier or maybe they like throw some junk you know like they have shorter tines but maybe they have some kickers or stickers or something like that this buck he he's a 10 barely he has like little bitty fours but his G2s are probably like 10 to 12 inches long, but they're about as big around as my pinky, like super thin. Um, if this deer makes it to the end of the season, like there's no way he's going to have all of his points. He's going to lose at least half of them as soon as any deer challenges him just a little bit. Or if he just like bumps it on the ground or a tree or whatever, because like I said, just super thin, but lots of length. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd definitely shoot him if he walked out. I don't know if I'm necessarily going to be targeting him, uh, but a really cool buck. Um, so he showed up. Uh, another pretty good eight-point showed up. Um, I still got a lot of the deer that I, I had over the summer still showing up, but they're like I said, they're kind of showing up less. So I'm interested to see uh, if those deer shift into another part of our place. Maybe they shift onto the neighbor and they're gone. So that's why I try to get, not to get too attached to deer in the summer because you just, you just never really know what they're going to do unless you have, you know, prior history with them. So, so that's been pretty cool. And then, uh, so that's kind of what's been going on. I do want to throw one thing out and I know we're still about three weeks or so from the opener, but I had this thought in my head today and I want to share it with you guys. So, uh, basically, so y'all 
withstand the temptation that I am also uh, being tempted with. So I was just kind of going over the calendar uh, for, you know, here hunting here in Oklahoma, and now that I'm kind of done with my Nebraska trip. And in uh, opening day is on a Sunday this year. October 1st is on a Sunday. And my initial thought when I saw that was like, oh, like I could go out on Saturday maybe with like my video camera or something like that and try to film and I stopped myself before I got myself excited. And I'm going to throw out the same warning uh, for you guys. And I wrote a little quote here that I'm pretty proud of. Don't screw up Sunday by trying to improve your odds on Saturday. And what I mean like that is most people are going to be off work. They're going to have the day. They're going to be excited for deer season. And just like I was just tempted to do, you're probably going to be tempted to go, you know, maybe sit in your stand or your blind and try to film or take pictures or maybe you're going to go out there and, you know, put an extra bag of corn on the ground or apples or whatever attractant or, you know, try to improve your odds some way there on Saturday. And I'm just here to tell you the best way to improve your odds for Sunday is to stay completely out on Saturday. Don't let yourself get excited. Don't let yourself do something foolish. Don't go in there, spread scent, muddy things up. Just don't do it. Just stay away one more day. If you want it, you know, if you feel like a bag of attractant or a bag of corn or whatever can improve your odds, just take it in there with you when you go to hunt on Sunday and only send it up once and not the day before. You know, by the time the deer gets into it and might maybe smell you, hopefully you have them killed. Um, and you're just not going to convince me that going in there and like taking a picture or filming that buck on Saturday is going to help you kill him on Sunday. And like I said before, more than likely, you're just going to do more harm than good. So do yourself a favor, plan ahead right now, get all your work done, get your corn out, attracting out, uh, trim your stands, do whatever you need to do, do all that before that weekend so that when you go in there, you're going in there to kill. And I'll, I'll go one step further. If you, you know, if you're using cell cameras or trail cameras or whatever, and you don't have a buck showing up in daylight that you want to kill, just don't hunt. I know it's opening day, just don't, or better, you know, if you want to hunt, hunt, but hunt somewhere else. Don't go in there to your very best spot or where a spot you have pictures of a, a nice buck coming in in the dark and screw it up. Go somewhere else, go to public land, try to kill a doe at a different spot, something like that. Don't screw up your best spot on opening day. So there you go. That's my two cents. That's my soapbox. Just stay away. Don't screw anything up. So, All right. That's it for all that stuff. We're going to go ahead and get into the episode. So I'm going to be talking about my Nebraska trip. I don't know if this is going to be a 20-minute podcast or a two-hour podcast because um, I, I didn't have a ton of action. I did have one uh, pretty awesome hunt. or uh, I, I guess I had two or three kind of cool hunts, but, uh, but I did learn a lot. One of my buddies gave me a hard time. He asked me if I got anything, and of course I didn't. So yeah, I said no. I was like, no, I didn't, but I learned a lot. And he's like, man, you sure learn a lot a lot of the time, <laughs> which is true. Uh, but uh, but man, I, I do feel like I really learned some valuable um, information. And just uh, you know, I was hunting such a different environment than I hunt here at home, and that's part of the reason I enjoy it. Uh, one thing I will say that I really enjoyed was being so aggressive. Um, that's you know, like if y'all listen to this show. I'm a very patient person when it comes to hunting. I've just kind of learned over the years that I personally kill more bucks with patience than being aggressive. But on this out-of-state hunt, or, you know, I've started hunting a little more public the last few years, being aggressive can be fun, but 
obviously it comes with some downsides too, and I'm going to talk about some of those downsides in this episode. So anyway, I won't mention any more about the episode till we get there. So we're going to hear a quick word from our partners, and then I'll be giving you all the lowdown on my Nebraska trip right after this. There is truly no place like the great outdoors in Oklahoma. When you're out in the wild, you want your wireless devices to work. Unlike other carriers, Bravado Wireless believes that coverage in rural areas is important so that you stay connected. With competitively priced plans and coverage where you need it, the mission of Bravado Wireless is to keep you connected no matter where you are. Visit bravadowireless.com or check them out at one of their retail locations. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Let's get this thing rolling. So as I normally do on these hunt breakdowns, basically while I'm there hunting, I take a bunch of notes on my phone to kind of help, you know, refresh my memory and everything. So I'm just going to start at the beginning and we're going to work our way through. So end up leaving on Thursday. Opening day was on Friday. And so I took my daughter with me because my wife was and still is out of town. And uh, my mom came with me because my sister is actually pregnant. She's due, I think, in October. So, you know, pretty quick. And so um, it was great because my mom got to help, you know, take care of my daughter. She got to be there with my sister and kind of help her get ready for the baby coming and everything like that. Uh, I also, I guess when I was there this spring for turkey season, like my sister and her husband had just moved into their house like that week that I was there. And so they're still kind of trying to finish up some home improvement projects. And uh, so I was able to take all my tools and stuff and help my sister do some things around the house while I was there. So it just all worked out great. The timing of it, uh, my mom coming, uh, yeah, it just all worked out great. So anyway, woke up pretty early on Thursday and took off. We ended up getting up there to Nebraska about six, um, and kind of like I was, I'd warned my sister and my mom ahead of time. Like I was like, hey, I'm going to get there. I'm going to unload, hug you guys, and then I'm going to go scout. And so that's what happened. Uh, we got there at 6, and I was in the truck glassing at 6.45. So literally ran in, ran out the door. And going up there, I had for sure permission on three properties and kind of permission on a fourth. And so my sister's family, they own two properties. Uh, there is a neighbor across from my sister's house where I turkey hunted this spring and I had permission on their place for sure. And then there was this other property. If you remember, I guess it was last year when I was there, um, I talked about trying to get uh, to this back portion on the other side of this creek. And my sister's father-in-law was like, oh, we'll just go around on the neighbors and end up doing that. And I, I think I hunted there one evening last year. And so we reached out to them this year. And they didn't say no, but they did say that there was somebody else who had permission to hunt there. And so they just said if I did want to hunt there, you know, I kind of need to let them know and, and communicate just to make sure we weren't hunting on top of each other and everything. So, so I didn't necessarily put that out of my mind, but I was like, you know what? Between the the other acreage that I have, like I should be fine. I shouldn't have to mess with that. So, so, um, and then just the way it's laid out up there, it's it's a lot like Oklahoma. Like there's pretty much a road every mile, lots of gravel roads, but it's all hills. In crop fields, like there, there are some trees, some small patches of timber, but for the most part, it's crop fields. So, glassing is extremely effective. Um, you know, pretty much everywhere I hunted, there was somewhere where I could get up on a hill 
and glass all these fields. And actually, the main area I was kind of focusing on, I could actually glass it from my sister's house because it's right across the street and they built their house up on this hill. So I could get it, actually get on their back porch and see a good amount of the property. And so, so anyway, I spent that whole uh, Thursday evening driving around and honestly, I didn't see much. Uh, I think I actually only saw one deer and it was the place across from the street. But, uh, you know, part of the, part of the time I was driving around, I was just figuring out all the crops and one thing that kind of, I wouldn't say disappointed me, but surprised me right off the bat was I'd mentioned before, I thought I was so smart because last year before I left and I realized that I could, could hunt on all these other places, I went around and I made notes of all the crops and, and I put a year on there. So I was like, all right, this field in 2022 was corn. This field in 2022 was soybeans. And I did that because I just assumed when I went back this year that all those crops would rotate. So everything that was in corn would be beans. Everything that was in beans would be corn. And I quickly discovered as I was driving around that that wasn't necessarily the case. Uh, a lot of the stuff that um, you know my in-laws or my sister's in-laws uh, had planted, that was the case. A lot, of the, a lot of that stuff they had switched. But there were several fields uh, the, the one that kind of shook me the most, um, that the place across the street, uh, they had one spot that like, it was like a, if you took a sandwich and cut it diagonally, one would have been corn and would, one would have been beans. And last year they just, they were kind of flipped of how I wanted them to be. So I thought this year they'd be the opposite and it'd be perfect. But when I got there, not only was it not flipped, but it was all in corn. And so, like, the one side, they had just redone in corn, and then the other side, they had switched from beans to corn. And so, when I first got there, I was like, oh, no, this is going to be a problem, because everything you hear is beans. Find the beans. Find the green beans. The deer are going to be in the beans. And so, that's when I went up, what I went up there looking for. And so, like I said, so right off the bat, that kind of threw a kink in my plan. Just not all the farm ground was what I thought it was going to be. And then the other thing that threw a little kink was, like I said, you know, I had, it didn't get dark till like 8.30, so I had over an hour to glass, and I just wasn't finding any deer. And so, like I said, like right at last light, I found one deer across the street, and, uh, but that was it. And so, Friday morning, opening day, I didn't feel like I had enough to go on, and I, I kind of thought that was going to be the, oh, sorry, hit my microphone. I kind of thought that was going to be the case going into the trip anyway, and so instead of hunting Friday morning... I just decided to get up and drive roads again. So I had my binoculars, had my spotting scope, uh, woke up super early, you know, before the sun up and everything, drove around, and I found a few more deer. Uh, I don't think I found any bucks, but um, across the street, pretty close to where I'd seen the deer the, the evening before, uh, I saw another deer, and it was actually on this little point where there, where there was like a break in the trees. Um, but it was so far away, I couldn't tell what it was, but I just saw that it was a deer. And so that stuck out to me. And then I drove around to their other property and I think I saw three deer there, but they were all does. And even though it was still really early, like they were already on the edge of the field going into the timber to bed down. Uh, and then, uh, on the other neighbor, uh, I ended up, I, th I saw one doe that, uh, I don't know, I discounted it a little bit. They have this little patch of alfalfa. That's actually where I hunted last year. Um, but like I said, I hunted it last year, and I didn't see any deer there. And so I did see this one doe, but it just, I don't know, for some reason I just kind of discounted it. So, um, so yeah, so that was kind of the scouting. I, I did that for a couple hours. 
And then, you know, I had a couple cameras that I'd put out during turkey season. So I was like super anxious, anxious to check those. And so went around and I, I technically left three. One of them was at my kind of behind my sister's house. And that was the spot that I tried to hunt last year, but they have a, a, a not so good neighbor there. And, um, and I just didn't see much on it. So that one actually ended up not being able to check. I still need to check it actually kind of forgot about that, but for some reason, the card like formatted weird. It did it, uh, when I went up there this spring too. And for some reason, just on my Mac, it wouldn't show me the pictures, but it didn't matter too much to me because some squirrel or something had gotten angry at this thing. And like the lens was all scratched up. Uh, the, the little strip where the sensor is, was all scratched up. It like chewed over, chewed up the little cover over the, the camera lens. And so I, I wasn't, I didn't think I was going to get much Intel from that one anyway, because I, yeah, I just, it was so scratched up. I didn't think I was gonna be able to see anything, but I, I was still had a lot of hopes on the other two cameras. And so Went in, checked both those cameras, and was very disappointed in what I saw, if I'm being honest, because, again, they'd been there since the spring. Both of them had quite a few deer pictures. Like, I felt good about their location. Uh, had a lot of deer movement, but the uh, each camera had one buck that I think might have been a two-year-old. Everything else was does, fawns, or one-year-olds. And anyway, there, there was a couple different bucks on each but just nothing mature. And so kind right of right out of the gate, I felt a little deflated um, just because, and I, you know, I know cameras don't capture everything. Like I'm the first person to tell you that, but I thought if there was a decent buck, you know, over the course of months, I would have gotten at least one picture of, of the decent buck. And I just didn't have that. So, so I was a little bit uh, disheartened, but, you know, I did have the deer that I had seen. And so uh, across the street from my sister's house on that neighbor, you know, I'd seen the deer there the evening before. I'd seen the deer there that morning. And there, a lot of the beans were already yellowed, but there was this one spot where the greens were still pretty dang green. And both the deer I'd seen were right around that area. And so I went in there and I, I decided that's where I was going to do my first hunt opening day. So it's Friday. Left a little early, had to walk a really long way, and I went ahead and took, I'd, I'd taken my lone wolf stand, and I took a saddle, and I went ahead and took the stand with me because, you know, one other challenge I had was it was hotter than average for the, the couple days we were there, and every day we were supposed to be there, it was a straight south wind, and like, I'd been checking the wind all summer and everything, and every time, I talked about it on this podcast multiple times, Every time I checked the wind, it was just always different. Like one day it'd be southwest, and then that evening it'd be east, and then the next day it'd be like northeast, and the next day it'd be west. And so the wind was just always changing, which I thought was going to be good for me because it gave me a lot of options of where I could hunt. But these four days with this heat front, it was just south, 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 south. And so anyway, so I, I decided to take my stand with me because I thought this would be a spot that I'd probably hunt multiple times. And so I was going to take the stand in there and just leave it, which is what I ended up doing. Uh, so yeah, I got in there early Friday, hung the stand. I went a little bit above and beyond what I'd do on a normal hanging hunt again, because I thought I'd be hanging this more. So I actually took like a little bow hanger with me. I, I carried in my pole saw so I could do a little bit of trimming. You know, I don't want to trim too much. Uh, I ended up sitting my stand up. I was probably the bottom of my platform was probably only about eight feet. And I think I've talked about this before too, but just doing these hanging hunts and these, these out of state trips or public land, whatever, a lot of times I end up hanging a lot lower because I don't want to just do a whole bunch of trimming. And if you get too high in the tree, 
you're just up there in the canopy and you just don't have a lot of shooting lanes. But I feel comfortable hanging lower because that stand's never been, you know, those deer aren't used to that stand. I've never been spotted there, or, you know, sent, sent, checked or whatever there. And so I feel comfortable hanging lower in that type of situation. So anyway, hung the stand about eight feet, hunted it that evening, and pretty much got skunked. At the very, very end of last light, I did see two does like way far away, but, you know, definitely out of range and everything. And so, uh, so yeah, so again, I left that evening feeling pretty darn discouraged again because, you know, I, I thought this was going to be maybe my position one, you know, once I got there. Um, and I just, you know, after going over like my Onyx maps and everything with that South wind, like I just wasn't able to get into the spots that I really wanted to be. And so, so yeah, I finished opening day and, uh, you know, I'm trying not to let on too much, but in, in my heart, like I'm pretty disappointed at this point. And it's really setting in with me that even if I find some deer, like I, I just honestly was not convinced that there was a deer on all this acreage that I had to hunt. We're talking like 800 acres. I was not convinced that there was a deer that I wanted to shoot. And I kept going back to the spring when I was there during turkey season, you know, I found like three deadheads on all this area while I was doing my scouting. And I had talked to my sister's father-in-law. He said last year was really dry. This year they've been really dry. And so in my head, all this, you know, I'm just not seeing these bucks. And I'm just thinking EHD has just destroyed this place. And, and I spent all this time and effort, you know, coming up here and stuff. And I just don't know if there's anything here for me to shoot. So all that to say, I finished Saturday, or I'm sorry, I, I finished Friday a little disheartened and and I'm exhausted because you know I woke up the day before traveled all day um it you know it didn't get dark till like 8 30 8 45 and so by the time I you know hunted till dark got down got back to the house ate dinner and got cleaned up you know I wasn't getting to bed till like 10 30 11 like at the earliest and then you know I was waking up at like 5 30 and so I just wasn't getting very much sleep and so anyway on Saturday I just decided I needed to reset. This is something I've kind of found traveling, hunting, whether it's elk hunting, deer hunting, whatever. If you're going multiple days, at some point in there, if you're really down, just just reset. How however you reset, reset. And for me, that is sleep, and that's sleeping in. And because I had you know my mom and my sister there, I had somebody to take care of my daughter. Um, and so Saturday morning I slept, uh, like nine and a half hours, which might be the most I have slept since my daughter was born over a year ago. And so I just slept in, uh, Saturday, I, you know, helped my sister with her, uh, with her house stuff. We drove into town, went to the hardware store, got stuff we needed. Um, we ended up having lunch in town and everything. And I just got a nice reset. And, you know, I wanted to be able to spend some time with my sister while I was there, not just use her as a bed and breakfast and everything. And so, so yeah, I had a good time with the family on Saturday, got reset, and then I, I, I made a big mental shift on Saturday. And kind of what I was talking about at the beginning, you know, like I, I, I normally when I'm hunting my own stuff, I just don't hunt very aggressively because I've learned over the years if I'm just patient and I wait for the right situation, a lot of times I can make that buck kind of come to me or, you know, get him where I want him, where I have everything perfect. But that's just not the situation I was in. And so I'm, I'm looking at Onyx. I have zero faith in that stand that I had hung uh, because, you know, between, between glassing, driving, hunting, cameras, like I just wasn't seeing anything 
that I was interested in. And so I pull up Onyx and I was like, man, I, like I had this spot marked ahead of time that I was just thinking like, this is the spot, but I was shying away from it because a South wind was about the worst wind you could possibly hunt there. Um, but I was thinking about it. I was like, man, I just got to poop or get off the pot. Like that's where I need to be. And that's where I'm going to hunt. And so uh, I had brought my, uh, my Ozonics with me and I didn't plan to hunt with it. I had actually brought it to use on like my clothes and stuff. But when I got there and it was so stinking hot, I realized it'd be worthless to use it cause I'd get so sweaty and stuff coming in. But I came up with this idea. I had my saddle and I'd scouted in the spring. I, like I knew the tree I wanted to be in. I knew where I wanted to be. And it was this corner where like timber CRP in this cornfield all kind of came together. And so I decided that's where I need to be. That's where I'm going. And so I came up with this little contraption. Uh, by the way, the product of the trip, those little rubber coated like wire ties. Uh, I think I bought these at Walmart. I've seen them in Academy. I'm sure a lot of sporting goods do. It's just like a piece of wire that's coated in rubber. So it's bendable and stuff. And so I, I uh, instead of taking my big backpack, oh, that was another learning point. Uh, that first hunt when I'd hung that stand, I took my big backpack that, uh, actually my buddy Randy bought me on my elk hunt when all my stuff got stolen and that thing frustrated the heck out of me. It was just too big. It didn't have pockets in the right spot and I hated it because I kept trying to find like my, you know, my release, like all my small stuff, my wind puffer and all that. And I just couldn't find it in this giant bag. And so I just want, I wanted to throw it away. I didn't. Um, so anyway, so I decided I'm going to take the saddle. I wore the saddle, um, that my buddy let me borrow. And then he has like a little backpack thing that holds the, uh, platform. And on the bottom of it, there's loops that you can put your sticks in. So I put my sticks in that. And then I just had my little like blind bag that I hunt with here, put everything I needed in there. And then I set my hosonics on top of the bag upside down. So the fan was on top use that little wire tie to wire to across uh, the top of it to hold it in place and I just turned my ozonics on and just ran it while I walked in and in everywhere I was hunting like it was a jungle to get in and out of that was one thing I was not prepared for also because when I was walking around in, in the spring during turkey season you know the the crops had been out the deer had been having to survive and all the woody brows it had snowed, it had been cold and stuff. So everywhere I went, it was just like a breeze. Like it was, you know, like walking through a park. Well, that is not true now. Everything was super grown up. So, I mean, I'm fighting through like head high brush and they have, they have sticky things that we do not have down here. Uh, I'm still itchy from all this random stuff I was having to go through. But anyway, um, I literally, like I walked in as upwind as you could possibly walk in. I mean, the the wind was literally going from me to the tree that I was going to hunt. I walked right through the CRP where I thought the deer would be coming in and out of. I went through it all. I just said, screw wind, screw access. This is where I need to be. And so I get there. I get my saddle hung. And I'm right on the edge of this big, steep creek bank. I got CRP to my right. I got timber in front of me. I got a cornfield to my left and then I have timber kind of back to the left behind me. And so like, I'm just like, I feel like I'm on the X and I get set up, get my saddle going. I'm in this tiny little tree, um, four inch tree. And, uh, I need to talk about saddle versus stand at some point, but kind of a different discussion at this point. So tiny little tree and, and the tree like leans out into the field real bad. <laughs> so I'm really not even using my saddle like you're supposed to. I'm really just standing on this little platform, you know, it's what, 10 by 10 inches or something like that. 
And uh, so I actually like loosened it up more. Like I'm trying to force myself to lean back because my feet hurt from just standing on this little platform. But anyway, uh, I haven't I haven't been in there like 10, 15 minutes. Like I'm just kind of getting set up and comfortable. All of a sudden I hear something. I look down and there's a little buck running away. Like he was right underneath me, running away. He had a little branch stuck on his right side. Uh, I think it was a little eight point, but I mean, year and a half old buck, small buck. And so I'm like, man, that like, that kind of makes me feel good. Like I wish I, you know, he wouldn't have smelled me, but I'm obviously, you know, there's some deer here. And so I keep sitting and maybe like 15 minutes later or something like that. Uh, I, I didn't hear a deer blow or anything, but I hear deer kind of bounding away, kind of from that same air, kind of behind me to the left. And so again, I'm like, man, it, it's good that there's deer here, but I almost felt like I, like, you know, that you hear people all the time about like being on the X, like you got to be on the X because you're bow hunting, you're archery hunting, you got to be in range. So you got to be on the X. I, I felt like I was a little too much on the X. Like I was, I was too much in the right spot, if that makes sense, because the deer just, they were right on top of me and it was so thick back to my left. Like there, that's where there were some other big trees that I just, I couldn't see anything coming from that direction. And so, so I had two deer in the first, I don't know, 45 minutes or something get right up on me and then spook off. And so that second deer, I don't know if it was a doe, buck, I don't know, but, uh, but anyway, so that was the second deer, uh, hunted out till dark and, uh, I'm actually getting ready to pack up and I do see another little buck come from the corn and head towards the CRP right in front of me, like right what I was thinking and hoping the deer would do. Uh, so that did give me some confidence, and so I'm feeling pretty good. I feel like I'm hunting the right spot, um, but again, there's just not the deer that I'm after there. Um, but I, I did feel good enough in the spot that I felt like I needed to give it another try. And, uh, you know, like the scouting, you know, Thursday evening and Friday morning, I had seen more deer in the morning than I did in the evening. And so I was like, you know what, I need to give this spot another chance. So I leave my sticks and platform in the tree just so I don't have to carry them in again. Uh, hike out through the jungle. I actually jumped another deer on my way out. Couldn't tell what it was. Um, it was either another like young buck or doe, just kind of judging by the, the body size. Um, speaking of body size, random note, I will say I did kind of get to experience like the bigger bodied Midwest deer. Like the Even though I was seeing younger bucks, I could just tell like their bodies were huge. And so, you know, I never got to see like a super mature buck, but I, I can imagine that they are quite a bit larger and heavier than, you know, the deer we have down here. So anyway, random side note. So get back to the truck, head back to the house, eat dinner, uh, go to bed, wake up super early, fight through the jungle again, get into my stand. I did the whole Ozonics thing again, you're know, running the Ozonics over my scent trail because I still had a south wind get set up that morning before shooting light and right around shooting light. I can't remember if it was right before or right after, um, had a doe come right in front of me, kind of read the script again, just how I was thinking, uh, worked its way into this little thick patch of timber, kind of headed towards the corn, but I don't, I don't know if it made it to the corn or if it bedded in the timber or what. So, so that was kind of encouraging. It's like, all right, you know, still feeling good about this spot. Uh, so I think that morning shooting light was like six. 30, 645, something like that, and hang out for another hour, and no no more deer, and so another little bit goes by, so it's like 745, something like this, that, 
And uh, I'm not going to say I felt like the morning was over, but I, I, I kind of felt like if I was going to kill something in the morning, it was going to be in those first couple minutes. And so about an hour and 15 into shooting light, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm planning to hunt a little longer, but but nature is calling. <laughs> and so, uh, so I'm sitting there, and uh, shout out to Dan Johnson. I know he's a big fan of the, uh, he calls it the sky dump. But uh, with the saddle, that's a little you know harder to do. So I was like, all right, I'm going to climb down. So climb down, and of course I leave my bow and everything up in the tree, and uh, I'm literally like unbuckling my pants. I walked down just a little bit, unbuckling my pants, and out of the corner of my eye, I see a deer. <laughs> and so I get down, and uh, down in the creek that I was hunting. There's a buck, and again, he's like another yearling. Uh, it, it was a different buck than the one I'd seen the evening before, though, because this one was only a six-point, uh, and the other was an eight-point. But uh, So I, I, I guess I, I don't know. He was probably 50 yards. Um, if I really wanted to, I might could have killed him because I had enough cover in the actual tree. I think I could have got up there and got my bow and, and gotten closer, but I just, I, I just wasn't going to kill a year-and-a-half-year-old. So he eventually walked out of sight. I uh, did my business, climbed back up into my tree, and hunted another, I don't know, hour and a half or something like that. And um, so, I'm, you know, I, like I said, I'm in kind of my position A, the one I'd been scouting and dreaming of and looking at Onyx all summer. And, I, and it was a good spot. Like, I was definitely in deer. Saw a bunch of deer in this spot. But I kept kind of going back to that whole, you know, the cameras and the scouting. And I just, once again, like, I just felt like the deer that I was after. And, and again, you know, I have much lower standards on this trip than I do at home. But I just feel like there's not a deer in this area that I want to shoot. Um, I was probably like, I'm going to say as the crow flies, probably 200 yards from where I'd had my camera. And on this property, there's like basically two different patches of CRP and so I had my camera set up on the other patch, you know, kind of leading into the, from the CRP to the crop field. I was now hunting this spot, um, you know, going from this CRP into the cornfield. Uh, I went ahead and climbed down and I walked around a little bit, you know, I was kind of looking at trails and, and the edge of the cornfield and everything. And I kind of just decided that I didn't think this was the spot either. And I'm, and I'm running out of time. This is already Sunday. I had talked to my mom. My mom teaches a class on Tuesday evenings, and so she had told me, like, if I really wanted to hunt Monday evening, like, she could make it work as long as we, like, drove partway home Monday night and got a hotel and, and you know, finished on, on Tuesday. But my mom's kind of getting up there in age, and she's always had really bad vision, and so she didn't feel very comfortable driving at night. So I was going to have to do all that driving, and I'm so exhausted that I didn't really feel comfortable. And so I kind of realized Sunday evening might be my last evening. Um, I could probably hunt Monday morning, but um, but I, I realized time is very much running out. And I just felt like I was kind of wasting my time hunting the same area that I had been in. And so pulled everything down, went back to the truck, went back to the house, and, and got on Onyx. And I was like, all right, like... I, I'm, I'm just scratching everything off the list. Like I got to go somewhere else. And so I talked to my sister cause I was, I was, I was, I was, was learning. Like I was processing this whole time. And so I was like, where have I seen specifically bucks? Every buck I had seen had been right in that Creek. And I went kind of back to, you know, my last two hunts. Like I, in the evening time I'd had bucks come out of the Creek headed towards the corn and then in the morning, I had bucks coming out of the corn down into the creek. 
And I also kind of realized, like, I wasn't seeing deer in the beans, like, even driving around, scouting, glassing, all that. I wasn't seeing deer in the beans, but I was seeing a lot of deer around corn. And so I got on Onyx, and I was like, all right, where's, and, and, you know, CRP had played a role in it too. So I was like, I'm seeing deer around CRP, corn, and water. Where can I go that there is CRP, corn, and water? So my mind immediately went to that other property that I had hunted once last year. The, the guy that we had talked about, but he said there were some other people hunting there. And, and I'm, I'm calling him a neighbor, but he's actually technically like two places down, uh, not a direct neighbor. I, I think I think the creek may actually connect in one tiny little piece. But anyway, it's 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 it was probably two miles down the creek from where I'd been hunting. And so I just felt like it was kind of a, a fresh area. Uh, it was... It had all the things I was looking for. Like there was this one corner, kind of an oxbow type place where it had a a big chunk of CRP. It had corn and it was actually on the same creek, that same deep creek that I'm always talking about because that's the major water source in that area. And so I, I asked my sister, I was like, hey, like, can we get in touch with this guy? Can we ask about the other hunters, hunters? And, you know, all that stuff. And so she said she'd check into it and, you know, let me know when she got a hold of him. And so I uh, did a little bit more stuff around the house. I tried to take a nap, but I'm just a terrible nap taker, so I couldn't sleep. Uh, played with the kids a little bit, and you know I'm kind of looking at my clock, and it's getting later in the day. We still haven't heard from this guy. Uh, she reached out to her husband, tried to get him to call him. He couldn't get a hold of him, uh, and you know his brother tried to do the same thing. Nobody can get a hold of him. And I'm looking at my clock, and by this point, it's like four o'clock. Like it's it's about time that I need to get making a decision so i'm like on on onyx again like all right i've, I've hunted this spot I've, I've you know scouted this spot like where can i possibly go and so i, I went ahead like i took a shower I'm, I'm getting ready to go and i come upstairs to leave and my sister's like hey he just got back to us he said the other hunters won't be hunting when it's this hot you have free reign of the property I'm like all right sweet so drive over there and I feel like every spot I go to, I'm just minimizing even more because I, the, the, my lock, my oh, sorry, my walks just keep getting longer. And so I decide I'm not even going to take the saddle this time because I have to go so far. And so I have like this little, it's actually made for turkey hunting. That's like, it's not a pop-up blind. It's just like a little thing you can put in front of you. And so I grab that. I have like a little bitty stool and then I have my bag with just the bare essentials, you know, my release flashlight, that type of thing. And so I, I map it out to where I'm kind of doing the same thing. Like the wind's going to be not great for my entry, but I can go like way the heck around this cornfield, come up the creek and get in fairly, you know, with pretty decent access. So that's what I decided to do. It turned out to be way longer than it looked on Onyx. The grass was way taller than I expected. It was a beating getting in there. Um, I, I never measured it. I should have, but. Anyway, it was a really long way, and I finally get back to this corner, and it's everything I hoped for. I had come in from the other direction when I was there last year, uh, but I didn't actually hunt it. Uh, so I was a little bit familiar with the area, but not uh, not great. There's an old wooden deer, I don't know if you, I don't know if you call it a stand, it's like a wooden platform. Uh, and so that kind of gave me some confidence. I was like, hey, somebody years ago thought this was a great spot. It's, it's got to be good. And so, like I said, I'm, I'm sitting with my back to the creek. I'm up on top of the bank, but, you know, the creek's behind me. I got a lot of nice cover around me. It's just 
tall grass and weeds and stuff. CRP in front of me at this little oxbow to my left, and then huge cornfield out in front of me and, and going to the right. And so, again, feeling good. Uh, I get set up. I'm just chilling, relaxing, and I'm, I'm sitting on this little stool, like one of those little tripod stools. And uh, so I'm kind of facing, it would have been, uh, I guess it would have been east, and I'm looking, or yeah, facing east, the corn's to my left, to the south. So I'm sitting there, and you know, it's pretty early in the day, honestly, and uh, I'm just chilling, hanging out, and I'm kind of looking out over the cornfield, and all of a sudden I hear something to my right, and I look over, and I kid you not, there is a stinking 10-point buck four yards away looking at me, and I'm just caught completely off guard. I, 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 I can't move. I'm, I'm holding you know, completely still. He's, he's looking at me. He's concerned, but it's almost like he couldn't believe what he was looking at. Like he couldn't believe that I was just there. And so, uh, he's, I mean, I got a great look. I mean, 10 point, not huge. Um, I'm going to say he was probably a three year old. Definitely at this point in the trip though, a shooter buck, most mature buck I had seen, biggest buck I had seen, uh, still at hundred percent velvet. He had like a little like kind of thin spot where it looked like it might start peeling on his G2. Again, I'm getting a great look at this guy because he's right there. I can see his nostrils flaring because he's trying to smell me, figure out what the heck I am, and, and I'm just sitting there dead still. And we have this stare off for a decent amount of time, uh, probably 20 seconds, something like that. And all this stuff's running through my head. I like I like I'm I know there's no way I can grab my bow, turn draw do all that motion while he's still standing there so i know that's not an option what i'm thinking in my head is maybe he will be alert but not necessarily spook and you know when deer kind of get that way they'll kind of like stomp off and you know they'll kind of look back and look away and look back and and so that's what i'm hoping he'll do i'm hoping he'll kind of do that head out in front of me and you know maybe when he looks away i can grab my bow real quick and i can get a shot while this is going on, like I said, I mean, this is over the course of probably 20, 30 seconds or something like that. Way off in the distance, but I mean, still audible, a dog barks. And that deer looks over, the, look that direction, and that just put him on super high alert. Like, just the fact that he already knew something was up, and then he hears something, you know, kind of out of the ordinary. And so now he's nervous, and he's looking at me, and he's looking the direction of the dog. He's looking at me, looking the direction of the dog. He's, like, bobbing his head around and stuff. And, and I'm, like, panicking at this point. I was like, oh, crap. Like, what do I do? What do I do? Like, please calm down. Please calm down. And then that dog barks again, and he hightails it out of my life. He heads straight to the corn. Uh, I mean, full speed ahead. I can hear him crashing through the corn stalks and everything, and he's gone. And I'm just in utter amazement still. Like, like it just, like, I don't think I've ever been that close to a wild animal of any kind, much less a white-tailed deer, four yards. Like, there's, there was a little forked tree behind him that I could range and everything. It was at five yards. He was between me and that tree. Uh, the Just, like, the detail that I could see on him was awesome. Like, I, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying not to make eye contact, but I'm trying to look at him, and, you know, I can't not look. And I, I kind of lowered my hat brim to cover my eyes a little bit so I'm like staring at his nose and I see his muscles twitching and everything and just being that close on the ground spot I'd never been I I kind of like I was kicking myself again I was like 
I'm I, like I'm too much on the X. Like I'm, not, I almost felt like I was too good at this at finding these stinking deer. Um, it was a little bit frustrating, and so anyway, after he ran off, uh, awesome encounter. I was like, man, like he's coming out of the creek. I was like, all right, like it, like everything's kind of running together at once. I was like these deer are bedding in the creek during the day, and then they're going to the corn at night. Uh, and so I'm like, all right, I'm convinced of this now because I had a deer come out of the Creek the evening before I had a deer go into the Creek that morning. I had another deer come out of the Creek this evening and I was like, all right, maybe this is like a good crossing. Maybe these bucks are kind of bastard up a little bit still. And so I was like, I need to move. (laughs) So even though I'd just gotten all set up, I picked all my stuff up and I moved about 50 yards or so to the east. I'd, I'd actually passed this spot where this tree wasn't down. It wasn't dead, but just a limb had grown like basically just parallel to the ground and stuck out real far. And I had almost stopped there because it looked like a good spot, had a lot of cover, but like I was trying to get to the this corner of the cornfield because I just, it's human nature. You want to be able to see a lot. And so if I, I was like, oh, if I go a little further, I can see this direction and I see down that edge of the cornfield. So I went a little further. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But if I would have set up in this spot in this spot at the beginning, that buck probably would have walked out right in front of me, like twenty yards, and I would have killed him. But anyway, hindsight's twenty twenty. So anyway, I, I, I rip all my stuff down. I move down there. I run down there. Get set up. And uh, I'm I'm hoping there's another buck behind him. But of course, there's not. And so hunted the, out the rest of the evening. Never saw another deer, but again, like that sick kind of made the trip. Um, really, really awesome encounter. So it gets dark, and now I'm like, crap. Not only do I have to walk all the way back out of here tonight in the dark, I probably have to walk all the way back here in the morning because this is just, like this is just by far the only semi mature decent buck that I've seen. So pack everything up, um, walk all the way back. I don't know what time I got back to the truck. It was well after nine o'clock. It was, it was like nine fifteen, nine thirty. 30. Um, get back to the house, heat up some leftovers, go to bed. Next morning, my alarm goes off and I do not want to wake up. This is Monday morning. It's the last morning, but I was just beat. Like after hiking all the way in, all the way out, uh, it's the last day. Like I'm just dead. So I did snooze a couple times, but eventually I was like, I, I have to get up. Like, I have to try. So wake up, and I did decide instead of doing the huge, massive loop all the way around the cornfield, I was going to cheat and just go in the other direction. And so that's what I did. Still a pretty long hike. Uh, oh, excuse me. Not near as bad, but still pretty long. I uh, get back to that same corner but I'm hunting uh, kind of the other side of the, so like the night before I was on the south side. This time I would have been on the west side, I guess. Um, but I was thinking we actually did have a little bit of a shift. That warm front was kind of moving out. And there was another little kind of oxbow thing on that side. And so I was like, maybe I spooked him out of that spot. So he's scared to use it. Maybe he'll shift over here and move this, or, or use this spot instead. So... Uh, hunted out the morning. I did end up seeing a, a tiny little doe. I had a couple buddies reach out to me and, and, you know, be like, why the heck didn't you shoot that? But, uh, I just, I, it was so tiny. Like I could barely see it over the grass. That was one thing. And then in the back of my mind, this is kind of a shift to, uh, the future date. I kind of hinted at this on my Instagram. 
I, I realized while I was there that I am not very far from where I will be hunting in Iowa this November. Uh, I want to say it's only maybe four hours away. And so in the back of my mind, my tag is still valid. It'll still be archery season. It'll still be before Nebraska's gun season. And so there is a chance if I were to go to Iowa and get lucky and kill a buck, you know, in the first two, three days, something like that, uh, I've already told you, like, I'm blocking out nine or ten days for that Iowa hunt. So if I get lucky and shoot a buck early in that Iowa trip, I might just run back over to Nebraska. And so that's why I was holding out a little bit. You know, I decided not to just use it on a doe or a year-and-a-half-old buck because there is a chance I could get back up there this year. And the, the archery season goes till December 31st. And so, you know, worst case, maybe Christmas, something like that, I get back up there. I, I don't know if I will. I, I definitely can't guarantee it. Um, I feel like at this point, um, Oklahoma and Iowa definitely take uh, precedence over Nebraska. And, you know, I, I get to hunt Texas, too. So I have I have tons of other deer tags. But if I were to get another itch or everything were to line out right, I could actually make it back to Nebraska. And so that's why I wasn't quite as, uh, you know, had the itchy trigger finger just to fill the tag on the last day. So, so yeah, I'm trying to think of, uh, what else I didn't talk about. It was a great trip. Um, I will say, so, uh, oh yes, one other huge learning point. So, so after I hunted Monday morning, I still had to go around and like pull that stand and, uh, pull, you know, move, I moved some of my cameras around, but, uh, when I went back to that stand that I'd hung the very first day that I ended up not hunting again, I climbed up in it to like unscrew the, the bow hanger and everything. And I, I just so happened to look out over those beans and I realized like that, that one green patch that I was focusing on, it was all completely yellow, brown, dead, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, they always let beans kind of turn before they harvest them. And that had happened to pretty much that entire green patch. And so... I think, basically, I think I was dead wrong on beans. I think it was too late, too dry, too hot, whatever. But uh, I think the deer just already turned off. Even though they still looked kind of green, I think they had turned enough that the deer just weren't interested in them again. And that's why I was finding all those deer in the corn. And so that was a huge learning thing. Uh, I don't think I took water seriously enough. Um, Like that stand where I was at, it was probably only 150 to 200 yards off that big giant creek that I ended up hunting so much. But I think that was far enough that deer just weren't going to get there in the daylight. Because like I said, pretty much every buck I saw was either coming in or coming out or headed into that creek. I think the deer were literally bedded down in the creek beds. I don't think they were in the corn. I don't think they were in the CRP. I think they were literally down in the creek beds and then when it was cooling off in the evenings or you know in the mornings when they were headed back to bed they were coming up and out of those creeks and so that was a huge thing you know unfortunately as I feel like it goes like right as it was time to leave that's when I really got everything figured out so if I, I feel like if I had another day or two um, you know I could have I could have maybe killed something um, but again that is great knowledge going into next year because last year Last year I only got to hunt two days, so I didn't have, really have time to figure. I did. I do remember thinking last year. You know, I hunted this kind of green field my first evening, uh, and I, I think I saw like two does or something like that. But I think those beans were just a little more yellow than I thought. Um, so it kind of got me last year too. And then this year, like I said, just with the drought and everything, 
I, I just I think you have to be literally on top of water if you want to have a chance this early and when it's this hot and dry. And then also, I, I think deer like that corn more than most people think. Um, yes, when the beans are growing and they're tender and have those nice green leaves, uh, I, you know they probably love the the soybeans, but that corn offers a lot. Like, uh, you know, I, I don't know what, the, I don't know if they're eating the leaves, the corn itself, you know, it's right before harvest. And so, uh, you know, there's nice yellow kernels all over the place. Um, but yes, water, don't be afraid to hunt the corn and don't be afraid to get off the soybeans, which is, seems so weird. Like everybody preaches soybean, soybean, soybeans, but that's just not what I found. And so that was a big takeaway. Uh, I do want to talk about uh, saddle versus tree stand real quick because this was my first time ever hunting out of a saddle, and uh, I guess I guess my take on it is you need both. Um, the saddle was great; like it's very convenient. It was lighter to carry in and out and everything. Uh, but once you got there, the the stand is just so much nicer. If I'm being honest, like it's so much more comfortable. I feel like I have more control. Um, I, I do get the whole shot angle thing with the saddle, like, you know, how you can kind of swing side to side and get around the tree and everything. But along with that, you, you may have more shot angles, but I wouldn't say you have better shots because, you know, when you're, when your arm is up over that tether and you're leaned out to the right and your weight is off and your body's twisted and everything, like, sure, you may have a shot, but it's just... Like, it's not going to be a good shot. Um, so that was a takeaway. I, honestly, I think the ultimate, um, the, the episode I did with Chris Hammond uh, like two weeks ago, he talked about his buddy who had a super small uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear uh, tree stand, the .5, that still had a little seat on it, but he used that as a saddle platform. I do think that would be the ultimate because, you know, you have that seat to where, you know, if you get in super early, and you're not going to have any action for a little bit. You have that seat. You can sit down. You can still shoot out of it if you want to. You could have the versatility of the saddle. Um, so yeah, for me, I think after this hunt, it's still it's still situational. They're they're both tools. They both have their spot. Um, I don't think you should necessarily be one or the other. I feel like a lot of people are. People are like, oh, like, I hate saddles, so I'm only using a stand, or saddles are dumb, or, you know, or saddles are so great that why would you ever use a stand? I just think there's a situation for both. Um, I, I do think I am going to end up getting a saddle, uh, because again, like I said, I do see the benefit of it. I think if you're a public land guy, yes, saddles, definitely the way to go. Um, if you're hunting private land and you're just like, you can still be mobile with a stand. Like people have been doing that for a long time. You can still be mobile on, on public land with the stand. Um, like I said, just super, super situational. Um, I will say the tree that I was in, I, it would have been really hard to hunt with a stand, uh, that evening, uh, just because it was so small. Uh, but like I said, the kind of, when I actually got up in the tree, I almost wish I had a stand because the way it curved, I almost couldn't use the saddle how how it was intended. So anyway, little little bit of rambling now, but uh, I just don't think there's a, a right or wrong answer. I think both of them are great, and I see myself using both of them in the future. You have the right to the best wireless service. Bravado Wireless provides the best mobile wireless, high-speed internet, latest devices, 
and customer service at prices you feel good about. Bravado Wireless strives to put these values first and offer you the best wireless service available. See what they have to offer at bravadowireless.com or one of their retail locations in eastern Oklahoma. Let Bravado Wireless connect you to your family, friends, and business partners all over the world. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. So that's just about going to do it for this week, but I do have one other big takeaway that I wanted to cover before I closed here. You know, hunting the way that I was hunting on this trip, this this more aggressive style, the not playing everything so close to the chest, the really getting out there and going for the gold. One thing that I thought about while I was driving home that I got very, very excited about because I feel like I did have success on this trip. Like I, I was learning on the fly. I was making adjustments. I was finding deer. I was putting myself in position. Here in about two months, I'm going to get to take all this stuff that I just learned and I'm going to plop myself in southern Iowa with these same cards in my hand and I'm going to get to play poker with the big boys and yeah, like that is just so, so exciting to me. So y'all are definitely going to have to stay tuned because I feel like I gained a lot of knowledge that is going to help me on that hunt. I'm going to have more time. There's obviously going to be better deer, uh, suitable habitat, all that good stuff. So I'm just saying right now, stay tuned because I sure as heck am. So, so yeah, like I said, that's pretty much going to do it. I, I enjoyed hanging out with my family. You know, I got to road trip with my mom, which I really enjoyed. Hang out with my sister. I got to watch my baby girl play with her cousin. Uh, my sister, my sister's son is only like three months older than my daughter, and she's got another one that's due here in just another month or two. So, so that was really fun. And it was just a great trip. I know I kind of made fun of myself in the beginning, but I really do love going on these hunts because even when I'm unsuccessful, I feel like I just learn so much knowledge and things that can help me in in every other day hunts, you know, hunting on my own place or public around here or whatever it might be. Uh, I, I really do just enjoy getting out there and having these experiences, so... So yeah, that's going to do it for me this week. Oh, I got one other quick thing, just a random thing I'm going to throw out there. I have been bit hard by the waterfowl bug. Uh, you know, I kind of got bit last year. I did more duck hunting stuff than I had in, in the previous couple of years. Killed a couple of geese, which was awesome. And uh, and I, yeah, I've caught my... So I, I ordered some new waders. I, I've caught myself looking at decoys. I randomly picked up an A-frame blind that was on clearance, 50% off, because it was like missing a pole, but you know, I'll figure that out. Uh, So yeah, so I I think y'all might hear a little bit more waterfowl content this coming year. I'm very excited about that. So anyway, all right, that was the last thought. I'm getting out of here. We're just over an hour. Timed out pretty well, and so that's going to do it. All right, see you guys next week right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast.